like to begin with a um, poem. It's my favorite Thanksgiving poem uh, told from the perspective of the turkey. It goes this way. When I was a young turkey, new to the coop, my big brother Mike took me out on the stoop. Then he sat me down and he spoke real slow and he told me there was something that I had to know. His look and his tone I will always remember when he told me of the horrors of Black November. Come about August, now listen to me. Each day you'll be thick where once you were thin and you'll grow a big rubbery thing under your chin. And then one morning when you're warm in your bed, in'll burst the farmer's wife and hack off your head. Then she'll pluck out all your feathers so you're bald and pink and scoop out all your insides and leave you lying in the sink. And then comes the worst part, he said, not bluffing. She'll spread your cheeks and pack your rear with stuffing. Well, the rest of his words were too grim to repeat. I sat on the stoop like a winged piece of meat and decided on the spot that to avoid being cooked, I'd have to lay low and remain overlooked. I began a new diet of nuts and granola, high roughage salads, juice, and diet cola. And as they ate pastries, chocolates, and crepes, I stayed in my room doing Jane Fonda tapes. I maintained my weight of two pounds and a half and tried not to notice when the bigger birds laughed. But t'was I who was laughing under my breath as they chomped and they chewed ever closer to death. And sure enough, when Black November rolled around, I was the last turkey left in the entire compound. So now I'm a pet in the farmer's wife's lap. I haven't a worry, so I eat and I nap. She held me today while sewing and humming and smiled at me and said, Christmas is coming. <laughs> Just when he thought he was safe. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that as I've grown a little bit older, I've had a little bit of a harder time being joyful or thankful or even happy. I'm not exactly sure why. It just seems as I've gotten older, it's become a little bit harder to just maintain a, a certain joy or happiness. And I think some of it perhaps is just maybe physical in nature as you get older or as I've gotten older, I just have more aches and pains. And so, you know, you just kind of go through your day just knowing that you're kind of hurt a little bit as you get older. Uh, it could have to do with just the world in which we live. There's just a lot of stuff in the world today, a lot of stuff in our country today. And you wonder, you know, where exactly are we headed? And those things can, I think, weigh down on us. It could just be 59 years, in my case, 59 years of life. And at a certain point, it kind of catches up with you. But I, I think I've, as I've aged a little bit, I've realized, you know, it's a little bit harder for me to stay joyful, to stay content, to be thankful that it's something that I need to work at. And yet, I think it really matters. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and, and it's a verse, I think, of every Thanksgiving. He wrote, rejoice in the Lord always, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I just think, is that possible? Rejoice in the Lord always, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whenever I read something is God's will for me, it kind of gets my attention. Like, this is what God wants me to do. Be thankful all the time to rejoice always. Now, I don't think he's talking here about this, like, bubbly, joyful type person. 
I think he's talking about an inner joy, a, a peace, a happiness in your heart that's not based on circumstances as we're gonna see in a minute. That's why it's possible for us to be joyful right now despite what we're going through. Paul wrote to the Philippians, he said, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Is it possible? Well, I'm convinced it is. I don't think Paul would have penned it through the inspiration of God's Spirit if it were not something that's possible. In fact, I think that what we're going to talk about here today is perhaps the secret that Paul had for being able to stay happy or content or joyful or thankful. There is, I think, a secret, and to the degree that I have put into practice what we're going to talk about here in a minute, to that degree, I've seen that it's possible to be joyful, that it's hard. Because our joy, many times, is based on our circumstances. They go up and down based on what's happening to us, and if that's the source of our joy, we're going to have trouble being joyful. I enjoyed the WVU-Oklahoma game. I really enjoyed the game. It was just a fun game to watch. There were frustrating moments. It was a fun game, and then we lost. It's like, it's a bummer. I'm always glad when we lose a game, if we're going to lose a game, on a Friday and not a Saturday, because I know if it happens on a Saturday night, you're all going to come in mad, and then I got I to gotta hit a home run to just get people to first base. It's like a lot of extra work there if we lose. And then Ohio State won against Mer or Michigan. Yeah, go Bucks. And it's like life is good. You got to at least pick one team that's going to win. You know what I mean? <laughs> or at least have two in the, in the hand there. So what, what if they both lose, which has happened before, then it's like, wow. Is our happiness based on our circumstances? Then it's going to go up and down. It reminds me of a guy that asked his friend, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm doing fine under the circumstances. His friend said, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? Well, that's kind of the problem we're addressing here today because I think it's too easy for us to attach our joy, our happiness, our thankfulness to circumstances instead of something else which Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. Now today we're going to be looking at Philippians 4 verses 10 through 13, but let me set the context for what he's going to say in the whole book of Philippians. Paul wrote that book while he was a prisoner in Rome, which I think is, is interesting because of all the books that Paul wrote, Philippians is the most joy-filled ver er, er, book. And he talks about joy a lot. And he talks about rejoicing. And so it's the most joy-filled book, but he wrote it while he was a prisoner. And so obviously his circumstances were not weighing him down too much. Now, I think he did have some special joy because despite the fact he was a prisoner, he writes in the first chapter of Philippians how the gospel wasn't chained. How God used his imprisonment to spread the gospel throughout the whole Praetorian guard, the special guard that was watching him, and throughout Caesar's household. And so he was thrilled by that. He said, here I'm chained. You know what would happen? Of course, they're chained to him. And so he got an active audience. Got to listen to him as he tells them about Jesus. And I believe many of them came to faith in Christ and the gospel spread. So he was chained, but the message was not. 
But I think he was also joyful because the Philippians had sent him a gift and many feel like the entire book of Philippians was written as a thank you letter. What's interesting about Paul though is in this particular gift is he thanks them for the gift but he is more thankful for something else. He's thankful for the fact that they gave him the gift. In other words, it wasn't the gift itself that made him so happy. It's the fact that they loved him enough to send the gift. And to me, this suggests that he really had his priorities right because I think sometimes we, we are thankful or we get our joy from the wrong things. We get it from the gift. And he says, I'm not really as interested in the gift as the fact that I'm so thrilled that you renewed your concern for me by giving it. The fact that you care for me really, really mattered to Paul. And he writes about that. But then he also adds something that we're going to look at here in a minute. He talks about the fact that even before he got the gift though, and even though he was going through a time of shortage, as well as times of plenty, he was still able to be joyful. I believe that the Philippians wondered about Paul, how are you doing? Do you have what you need? And how are you handling it all? And Paul was very honest in the verses we're going to look at. He makes it clear he went through times of plenty. He also went through times of want. Where he had plenty of food, but he didn't have enough food. But he was okay through it all. Because his happiness, his joy was not attached to his circumstances. It was attached to something else. With that introduction, why don't you follow along as I read Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10 where Paul said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned, and here's the thing, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, Paul's talking here about a lesson he learned through the hard knocks of life. In other words, I think Paul had to go through seasons of plenty and seasons of want in order to learn this lesson. I don't think God just imparted it to him. He said, no, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. I've been through these places of, of want, but also of plenty. Having a lot of food, but also not having enough of, of really being hungry. And I have found that those circumstances don't matter. I can still be content no matter what. Now, there are two words here that are kind of the heart of the matter that we're talking about. Let me read again, beginning in verse 11. Two words kind of jump out at me. Beginning in verse 11, the middle of the verse, he says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to have a little. I know how to have a lot in any and all circumstances. I've learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. The two words are these, secret and content. Now, that's what we're talking about here today. What's the secret to contentment? And so he throws in both of those words. I've learned the secret, 
and I've learned about contentment. What's interesting is that these words have more significance than it appears originally when you read it. You might wonder sometimes, by the way, why I focus on a particular word, like the word secret or the word content. Well, I do that because I'm convinced that the Bible is the word of God and that each of the words matters, that they're inspired by God. That if, if Paul, through the inspiration of God's spirit, used the word secret, he used it for a reason. If he used the word content, he used it for a reason. Now, the word secret, let's talk about this one for a little bit. In Paul's day, there were a lot of secret societies. There were these mystery religions, they were called. And people, in order to get into this society, had to go through this initiation, and then they could learn the secrets. Now, for some reason, Paul chose the word secret from the mystery religions. He could have used other words, but he chose to use that word, secret. I've learned the secret. And, and the readers would have immediately thought in their mind about the mystery religions and the secrets that are out there. Now, we have this today, don't we? I mean, we have these, like, secret societies, or I think we do. It's kind of a secret. About a week ago, I got a letter in the mail. It had no return address and, and no company name. It was a blank letter. But it caught my attention, partly because they used a first-class stamp. I opened up the letter, and they said, basically, congratulations, because of certain qualities that you have, we have decided to invite you into our society. We have some secrets. We know things that other people don't know. We know, for example, why the wealthy get wealthy. We know why certain politicians whose names you would recognize are part of our group because they have some insider information and we want to invite you to join in because you've got the qualities we're looking for. They didn't bother to list what those qualities were. It got my interest. It's like, I'd like to know the secrets. The interest lasted long enough to throw it in the garbage. <laughs> but Paul's here talking about secrets. He says, I've learned the secret. And he's using a particular word that they were familiar with. A scholar by the name of O'Brien explains Paul employs a technical term taken from the vocabulary of the mystery religions to describe the initiatory rites of a devotee who wished to enter their secrets and privileges. A scholar by the name of Leitner explains it this way, in the mystery religions, it was a technical term meaning to initiate into mysteries. Paul used it here to suggest a kind of initiation by his experiences into being content. And so Paul is saying, I have learned a secret because I went through certain things. I have gone through the initiation and I have passed the test and I have learned a secret. Now, I think part of the reason he uses the term is to make the point that their secret's nothing compared to mine. You see, what others have are these so-called secrets. There's some big deal that we know something, but Paul, I believe, is making the point, mine is the real deal. The secret that I'm going to share with you is worth knowing about. Now, let's talk about this second word, content. 
Paul says he's learned the secret of being content. The word means something a little different than we usually think of. It actually is a word that was borrowed from the Greek Stoic philosophers. And it had the idea of self-sufficiency. In fact, you could, you could use that as the translation. However, as we'll see in a minute, Paul hijacked that term too. Just like he hijacked the word secret, he hijacked this term, but it kind of meant self-sufficiency. You see, in, in the day of Paul, there was a lot of pride that was taken into being self-sufficient. Dr. Vincent puts it this way, content is a stoic word expressing the favorite doctrine of the sect or the philosophers, that man should be sufficient to himself for all things, able by the power of his own will to resist the shock of circumstance. Another scholar by the name of Melek puts it this way, the word content literally expresses independent of others and having sufficiency in oneself. Now, this is kind of an odd word for Paul to use because Paul did not believe in self-sufficiency. He didn't believe in that. And yet he uses this word, I have learned the secret of being self-sufficient. I've learned the secret of being content. Why? Well, Paul's self-sufficiency is Christ's sufficiency. Again, he turns the thing up on its end. He said, you guys take pride in the fact that you're self-sufficient. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My sufficiency is actually Christ's sufficiency. That is the point that he's trying to make. Now, this is something I think we all battle with here in this room because we kind of come out of this Greek culture. Do we not take pride in self-sufficiency like I can do it on my own? I don't, I don't need other people. I don't want help from other people. That's stoic philosophers. That's Greek ideas. You can make the, you, this circumstance. You're what is called the self-made man or the self-made woman or the song, I can do it my way. We take a lot of pride in the ability to face things on our own and in our own strength. And we try to do it stoically. So we put out an image that life is wonderful. This would have fit, Facebook would have fit wonderfully back in the Greek days. You get this beautiful profile picture of life being wonderful. You could be dying inside, but people look at those pictures. You know, you go to Facebook and you, don't you kind of look at everybody's world and you say, wow, life just looks great for you and for you. And like everything's wonderful, but I know the reality in many cases. I know that many are carrying burdens, but let's be stoic about it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. That's Greek thought. We're, we're Greeks. I think that what Paul is doing by using the word secret and using the word content, which means self-reliant or whatever, I think what he's doing is he's, he's attacking both the mystery religions and the Greek philosophies, and he's saying what Jesus provides is infinitely greater than this. I have learned a secret that's a real secret. And what is his secret? Well, in verse 13, he says, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, let me mention quickly here that when he says I can do all things, he's not saying here I have the power to do everything. I can fly through Jesus. 
I can do this thing through Jesus or that thing. No, that's not what he's talking about here. In the context, and literally every Greek source I looked at said, what he means here is I'm able to face any circumstance. The way in which he's using this is like you're going through a hard time and you say, I can't do it. I can't do this anymore. That's where this verse comes in. I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have learned the secret when I don't have much or when I do have much, I have learned the secret. I can face this thing through Christ because he gives me strength. Of course, earlier in Philippians, he made it clear that that's his heartbeat. Did he not say for me to live as Christ? This is the secret of the Christian life. This is it right here. Of course, Jesus put it in terms of abide in me, like a vine in the branches. You stay connected with me. Paul in other places made it very clear that it was in his weakness that he was the strongest because the power of Christ was in him when he was weak. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Malik puts it this way, a scholar. He says, thus Paul expressed a crucial paradox. He was strong when he was weak. He was independent, in other words, self-sufficient, only when he was dependent. That's the difference between the Greek ideas and what Paul was talking about Christianity. I can do all things. I am self-sufficient through Christ who makes me sufficient. I can face every situation through Christ. Now, I do find it interesting here that um, he said that he has learned the secret of being content when things are going badly and when things are going well. What's odd to me about that is I, I would expect Paul to say, I have learned the secret of facing hard times well. I've learned the secret of being hungry and not complaining about it. I've learned the secret of facing this difficulty in a way that shows grace. I have learned this, you know, we understand that. That'd be a real secret. But he said also, I've learned the secret of being well-fed. I've learned the secret of having plenty. And I, had, I thought about that for a little bit. What secret is that? I mean, who needs Jesus' grace when things are going well? I think we do. Have you not heard people say things like, I don't understand it, I have everything. Life is good. I've got the house, I've got the job, I've got the spouse. Life is good for me, but I'm not happy. I think we need to learn. I think we need to learn to be happy when things are going well. We need to learn what it means to rejoice in God's provision, to give thanks, be thankful for the good, and we need to learn to be thankful for the bad, but all of it is wrapped up in, in this Jesus. Ultimately, the bottom line is this, we cannot be attached to our circumstances. If you're attached to your circumstances, you will be up and down like a yo-yo. Life throws you curves. Life is good, life is bad. Things happen that are good or bad. And I have seen it in my own life and I've watched it in the lives of others. We go up and down, we're joyful, we're not, we're joyful, we're not. Paul is putting out something that's a lot better. He said, no, there's a secret here. I've learned the secret of finding my sufficiency through Christ who lives in me. So the bottom line is to learn to walk with him. Let me give you some questions by way of application here. Because I'm convinced joy is found in Jesus. Again, earlier in Philippians 1, he said, for me to live is Christ. He had learned that secret. He fleshes it out here in chapter 4, but it's about Christ lives in us. 
And, and we have every reason to be joyful. And one day we'll see him face to face. And one day we'll get a new body. And our sins are forgiven. And there's a host of things that are true because of Jesus. We need to learn to walk in him though. Here are the questions by way of application. Number one is where do you find your happiness and contentment? Maybe just stop for a minute. Is it attached to things? Is it attached to circumstances? Even relationships? Is it attached to something? That thing will let you down. Second, can you say with Paul, for me to live is Christ? That's something I think we want to work toward. This is why we encourage you to develop your relationship with Jesus Christ so that he does become our all in all. Can you say with Paul, for me to live is Christ? Third, have you learned to rejoice always in Christ? I think all of us could grow in this. But there is a secret and it is through Christ. And finally, have you learned Paul's secret? that you really can face any situation through Christ who strengthens you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Paul's example. Thank you for the things that he learned. And these are lessons I know that we need to learn because we think we're doing fine and then something rocks our world. And yet you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are indeed the temple of your spirit, the spirit of the Lord Jesus who lives within us. We really need to learn what it means to abide in Christ as a branch is attached to the root and bears much fruit. We recognize we need you in this and so as we find ourselves in the days ahead going up and down in terms of our happiness based on our circumstances, remind us that really one thing matters, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That when we're weak, then we're strong because of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.